Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM. As always, my name is Sean Alfonito, and I'm your host. And it is Monday, so it's a interesting day today for uh, technology and for uh, also for financial news as well. Uh, it's the first day for Bitcoin futures trading. It actually started at, I believe, 5 p.m. on Sunday, and already there is some pretty big uh, shakeups happening within actually within all of the cryptocurrency um, trading so it's uh, it's been pretty interesting so um, amongst all of that though there's been a ton of other tech news over the past uh, 72 hours or so even going back to a few stories that I missed from last week so let's go ahead and jump right in with today's tech download for Monday December 12th 2017 so starting things off today, we have a story that came out of NVIDIA late last week, uh, and NVIDIA has taken the wraps off their most ridiculously powered graphics card uh, ever made, and it is uh, the Titan V, which is currently the most powerful graphics processing unit of all time. Um, one thing to note about the Titan V is that this graphics card was not actually developed with gamers in mind, which is a little bit outside of the norm for the products NVIDIA typically releases. Um, this particular graphics card is geared more towards uh, research in terms of artificial intelligence and machine learning, though I'm sure that's not going to stop anybody from buying one and attempting to put it through its paces as a gaming graphics card. Um, although if they do, uh, they better be willing to shell out some serious cash because the Titan V is going to retail for $3,000. So uh, when you keep in mind the fact that typical gaming graphics cards, even on the high end, are usually around 600 bucks, that's quite a big leap. So uh, I don't know that you're going to see the kind of performance increase per dollar that would make that kind of investment worth it. But uh, on the tech spec side of things, uh, the GPU itself contains 21.1 billion transistors uh, and it delivers 110 ter- teraflops of horsepower. Uh, that's nine times more than any other NVIDIA processor available. And to keep things in perspective, you know, the Xbox One X, which is definitely hands down the most powerful gaming console ever made, uh, only pumps out about six teraflops of uh, performance. So yeah, pretty amazing. And uh, if you haven't seen what it looks like, it's a pretty gorgeous looking card too. I am looking forward to seeing and hearing more about what kind of organizations or research gets done with this graphics card, but I'm also just that sort of geek in me is curious to see exactly what kind of gaming performance a card like this could pump out. So stay tuned for more information about the Titan V, I'm sure, in the coming months. If you missed this news coming out of Apple, Johnny Ive is retaking control of the Apple design team after a two-year hiatus from the role. So uh, currently, uh, Apple's design chief since 2015. He is once again assuming the management role uh, for iPhone and probably several other products, I would assume. And uh, you know, at the time that he stepped down from that role, it was believed by a lot of people that this was sort of him laying his groundwork to sort of take a step back and eventually move towards retirement. Um, but now it seems that he's uh, stepping back into a more controlling role. Um, and uh, I would have to believe that means he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And it probably is some minor indication of some upcoming products or projects that Apple would like to work on where they would like to get back to sort of that cutting edge design that was uh, that Apple was known for while under his design control. So it's definitely curious the timing of it, uh, considering the iPhone 10 just launched. And um, obviously, there's been some delays with uh, 
the Apple Home speaker, which is the competitor for Alexa and for Google Home. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens coming out of Apple in the next year, maybe to two years, and to see exactly what Johnny Ives' role is going to look like. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for what's coming out of Apple in the near future. As if anybody had any doubts, it looks like the Sony PlayStation 4 is officially a huge sales success. Surpassing 70.6 million units sold since its launch. Uh, and, you know, Sony has pretty much been the gold standard for console sales, really going back to the PS2, which sold over, over 150 million units worldwide um, and also claimed the crown as the fastest console to sell 100 million units back in 2005. So uh, the PS4 could definitely overtake the PS2 in the history books for overall lifetime sales at some point. Uh, because it's really been on quite the sales tear for a very long time at this point. Software sales were also nothing to sneeze at with uh, PS4 software sales coming in at somewhere around 487.8 million game sales. Now, um, that's, that's a lot of games, and obviously I'm sure that that's not taking into account any of the sales from things like the PlayStation VR, which you could also kind of lump in as part of the PS4. So um, I think it's safe, safe to say that Sony is probably going to win this generation um, of console wars once again, and um, it'll be interesting to see if there are... If, if there is another round of console wars, because at this point we're still kind of unsure as to whether or not there's going to be a next generation of game consoles, at least as we've come to expect them now. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that if there is a Sony PS5, I think it's quite a ways off. But um, you know, we just got the recent update from the PS4 to the PS4 Pro, as well as the Xbox One going through its cycles of the Xbox One S upgrade, as well as now the Xbox One X. So we'll have to sit tight and see if we actually have uh, the next generation of Xbox consoles as well as something like a PS5 in the next few years. Back a few weeks ago when Tesla took the wraps off its all-electric semi-truck, it was also announced that Walmart was placing an order for 15 of the new electric vehicle for use in its shipping endeavors. And uh, I was speculating that uh, I really didn't have any information about how much cost savings might be involved with switching to an electric uh, semi-truck because obviously the cost up front for the Tesla semi is pretty significantly higher than a typical fossil fuel or diesel-based semi. But I kind of speculated that there must be some pretty good cost savings expected in terms of fuel cost and maintenance fees, uh, because obviously Tesla cars require a lot less maintenance than the average fossil fuel based vehicle uh, of similar size. So, well, today it was announced that Cisco actually pre-ordered 50 Tesla semis. Um, which should just be the start of a growing wave of companies looking to possibly switch over to an all-electric fleet of shipping vehicles. And uh, Tesla announced that it was hopeful that the fuel savings costs on top of the environmental benefits and lower maintenance fees would also probably help offset the cost of switching to an electric fleet. So I'm sure that all these companies are probably, uh, you know, these small numbers of 50 and 15 respectively are probably relatively small to the overall size of their fleet of vehicles. And I'm sure it's kind of a test to see exactly how successful these things uh, you know, work in real world scenarios. And I'm sure once they can see the benefits of it and see that it all works without causing any problems to their supply chain or to shipping times, then uh, I'm sure they'll probably be looking to purchase more of them in the future. 
As we continue to inch ever closer to the imminent vote on the net neutrality bill, Steve Wozniak has joined a pretty high-profile group of other CEOs and people in the tech industry who are urging people to uh, really pay attention and get out there and do anything that they can to help protect the internet as we've come to uh, to know it. So uh, if you haven't been paying attention to the net neutrality uh, debacle, um, you really should basically go and do some research on it. And uh, if you haven't already, think about writing your senators and, uh, you know, even if we are grasping at straws at this point to uh, hope to get the attention of somebody with half a brain, it is really going to be, um, it, it's really going to be a disaster if, if this ends up going through and we end up losing the net neutrality protection that we currently have. So um, I, I really can't understand why this is so difficult. Uh, you know, I'm going to go on a little rant here and say that, you know, as much as America loves to claim it's such a democracy and that we all have this great power to vote, um, in many cases, it seems like these decisions get made long before they've ever actually been put to a vote. And, you know, I'm sorry, but any of these senators or any of the people involved with this net neutrality bill being, you know, voted on and, and possibly, you know, revoking the net neutrality as we as it stands now, um, all they would have to do to see what the people want, what the American people actually want, is just go on Google and do a quick search. You can see the millions upon millions of people that are screaming from the tops of their buildings and screaming at the top of their lungs to please do not uh, let this happen. And yet here we are where many people have basically almost accepted that it is already happening and um, have kind of lost hope. So I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I've written my letters. I've, I've posted my, my Twitter posts and, and have pretty much talked to anybody who I think could possibly help. Um, but I just don't, I don't see a whole lot of movement in the way of people acknowledging that uh, this might be a mistake. So um, if you haven't already, you know, do what you can. Um, but uh, I can assure you that if this goes through, we're all going to be um, in a bad way when it comes to what our internet bills might look like in the future, what doing things like streaming music or Netflix or Amazon Prime movies might be like in the very near future. So if you don't know a lot about net neutrality, definitely Google it, look it up and inform yourself. It's super important. Today, Apple has confirmed that it did indeed acquire the music recognition software company Shazam for a pretty good value. It actually acquired Shazam for about $400 million, which is a considerable discount when you consider the fact that Shazam was previously last valued during its last round of funding at about a billion dollars. About the acquisition, Apple had this to say, We are thrilled that Shazam and its talented team will be joining Apple. Apple Music and Shazam are a natural fit, sharing a passion for music discovery and delivering great music experiences to our users. We have exciting plans in store and we look forward to combining with Shazam upon approval of today's agreement. So uh, I don't know exactly what Apple's plans are for Shazam. I'm assuming they're going to incorporate it into Apple Music and other parts of their music platform. I'm sure that they'll probably integrate it into Apple HomePod once that's released as well. But if you know anything about data and also all the machine learning technologies that are becoming incredibly popular right now, I would be willing to bet that Apple really wants Shazam for all of their consumer data uh, pertaining to what kind of uh, things people are wanting to find out about 
about when it comes to music because this can obviously help them in terms of sales and what they're presenting to consumers. And I definitely think that all of the machine learning technology that is probably embedded in Shazam to help it identify songs is something that Apple can obviously use to help make things like Siri work better because they're obviously starting to fall behind things like Google uh, Voice and Google Assistant. So keep your eyes open to see what kind of Shazam type features come to your favorite Apple products in the near future. If you're a fan of retro gaming and have been excited about the Atari box console that was announced a few months back from Atari, then you'll be excited to know that the pre-orders look like they're going to launch on December 14th, and you'll be able to plop down about $250 to $300 for the retro-looking console. Now, it's interesting because they still have not released a firm release date or any announcement on what types of games will be supported or, be, or will be available on launch. So, in my opinion, you know, drop down your 250 300 bucks at your own risk uh, as for me uh, i've been burned too many times with the nes and snes pre-orders not only with just the disastrous way those consoles were launched but um you know at, at the end of the day i just i'm not prepared to really commit to buying something like this until i know more about the platform itself and exactly what types of games and from which generations will be available to be played on it so uh, if you're super excited and you got some money to burn uh, keep your eyes open and get ready to uh, pre-order your console on december 14th Microsoft has released the first development kit preview for its quantum computing platform. At the Microsoft Ignite conference back in September, Microsoft wanted to be pretty clear that they wanted to be a pretty big player in the future of quantum computing, and today they took a step closer to achieving that goal by releasing the first version of the preview for its quantum computing development kit. The kit includes all of the things needed for a developer to get started in quantum computing, including a Q language and compiler, a Q library, a local quantum computing simulator, a quantum trace simulator, and a Visual Studio extension. Being the fact that this is an early preview, it's definitely aimed at early adopters who are looking to get a better understanding on what it takes to develop programs for quantum computers, which operate much differently from classic computing programs. To put it in simplest terms, a classic computer bit can only exist in a binary state of on or off, whereas with quantum computer programs, a qubit, which is the quantum equivalent of a bit in current computer generation speak, can exist in multiple states at the same time. This can open the door for programs that'll be able to do things that just would not have been possible before. While we are definitely still in the very early stages of quantum computer development, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how quickly this ramps up and what people will do with this early preview of the Microsoft Quantum Computing Development Kit. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Tech Download here on Gadget Reason Radio. Thank you so much once again to everybody that continues to call in and favorite the station and to everybody who's subscribed to the podcast as well. Thanks a lot. You guys have all contributed to me finally making it into that top 25 rankings list here on Anchor. And uh, I look forward to continuing to bring you guys content that you enjoy uh, going forward. So thank you once again. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the channel and also following me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Gadget Reason, where you'll find more content just like this. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.